Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Wayne Gretzky said, skate to where the puck's going, predict what the business rhythms will actually look like, you know, a year from now, two years from now, uh, and be able to make decisions today that will impact down the road. And I, I find that that is one part intuition, and then, you know, one part just listening and listening to people. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Really appreciate your time and your support. This is episode number 99, and my guest today is Paul Burns. He is the managing director of Twitter Canada, a seasoned and passionate senior executive with over a decade of experience building and leading high-performance teams, both locally and internationally. Prior to his arrival at Twitter, Paul was the first managing director for the Canadian operation of digital agency Huge. He also held senior leadership roles for Shaw Communications and Can West. In today's episode, Paul shares his most difficult decision from being a rookie executive to now a business leader. He talks about how he grew as a leader by basically putting himself into uncomfortable situations. We discuss the pros and cons of self-promotion in a business organization. And lastly, we go into the difference between being arrogant and confidence. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. Go to ssvoip.co slash Edwin to learn more. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Paul. Hey, Edwin. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today, Paul. Paul, I'd like to, if you could actually, first off, before we jump right in, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners today, um, tell us who you are and perhaps what you like to do when you're not growing or leading leading businesses. Yeah, I uh, I live here in Toronto. I uh, I've been married for almost 15 years um, to my wife Olivia. Uh, I have two young boys, um, Anderson who's 10 and Wesley who's seven. I love music. I uh, love running. Um, love snowboarding. Uh, just there's a whole lot of stuff that that we try and do as a family together when we're not, uh, you know, when 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 I'm not uh, <laughs> running Twitter. But um, that's that's a bit about me. Well, I, we, first off, uh, we have a lot in common. I am a runner. I'm I'm running my fourth uh, training for my fourth marathon this year in, in Berlin, and I used to be a snowboard instructor. <laughs> so. Uh, we need to we need to we need to talk i mean if you're if your boys are snowboarding my i have a young daughter two and a half and i'm re- already thinking maybe next year i'm going to put her in a lesson and uh, whether it was snowboarding or skiing anything that going down the hill at least she gets into into the whole concept of it that's great that's great yeah i know it's uh I, I find that those those activities are well especially i mean if you're teaching 
it's just a, a speaking of leadership i mean it's um teaching i used to teach snowboarding as well uh, oddly enough and so uh, amazing ability to you know teach you how to be you know to talk in front of people to you know drive a life skill for people so um anyway totally connect to uh to what you just said I, I love it. And and one more thing on snowboarding. I always tell people the best job I had was uh, was actually teaching snowboarding because it was fun and you could see people's confidence grow and and how they have fun and they just learned a new skill. Um, it was very satisfying. And, and maybe that's that's where I'm heading back to, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I think there's something wise in what you just said, though. I mean, you know, loving what you do. Um, and caring so deeply about the subject matter of your day to day, it's in many ways drives a lot of sort of my story over the last number of years. So I, I do connect to this idea of just finding a passion, picking it, sticking with it and just, and just embracing it. And it it makes, um, not to jump right into leadership, but it candidly, you know, like I too, you know, snowboarding just to build off what you just said, I used to work for a snowboard magazine. And, um, and, you know, it was, it was only because I loved the sport so much that it actually drove my enthusiasm to actually build a career around it. And so, um, anyway, I think there's something there to talk about at down the road in this podcast, perhaps about just passions and fueling your energy. Yeah, no, for sure. And we're going to try to get to there. I mean, there's a lot of things to go over in terms of, in terms of your career and your journey as well, Paul, but, uh, I don't know if you need to tell us much, but where I, I, I want to start is is where you are in today. I know you're 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 the managing director here in Twitter Canada. I don't know how much you need to do an introduction of Twitter, but if you could let us know, obviously, what your responsibilities are and perhaps what you're trying to accomplish over the next six to twelve months in your role. Sure, uh, you know most people know Twitter, <laughs> um, uh, high level of brand recognition for the platform. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, Twitter is what's happening in the world and, and what people are talking about. And so, um, you know, people come to the platform to discover what's going on in the world. That could be the latest news. That could be um, what's happening in sports that could be what's happening in, you know, art and culture and music. So it's, it's an amazing sort of pulse check on culture in many ways. And we, we sometimes call it the operating system for culture. Um, so, um, I love that. Actually. Convers- I love that. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, like when you actually look into major things that have impacted culture, you know, um, from politics to sports, to, uh, Nike announcing, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, a lot of these things start on Twitter. And so in many ways, it, it does um, shape and form what happens in culture broadly. So so anyway, that's I mean, that's Twitter. That's um, I joined this place just because I love the platform. I love the power of the platform. I love how one tweet can change the world. And um and it's funny, I actually, I really do believe that in, in, in many ways. And so, uh, so I run the Canadian business. Um, you know, we are one, one region um, out of many. Um, we have you know, 4,000 people in the company led by our founder, Jack Dorsey, um, who also runs a sister company called Square, which is a mobile payments product. And so Canada is this uh, you know, growth market. And, you know, we happen to be adjacent to one of the biggest markets, the US. And so we're in this really favorable p- 
position where a lot of how you know the global team looks at Canada as this just unbelievable uh, energy of growth, this market where they see so much innovation. You see technology innovation with AI and machine learning. You see marketing and advertising budgets that are you know fairly i wouldn't say comparable to the us but but you know major in terms of you know a north american size um so my job is to grow the market um grow the market from a from a platform usage perspective how do i get more canadians viewing twitter as a daily utility uh, and also from a revenue perspective you know how do i how do we actually build the business side of twitter how do we get more brands and advertisers engaged in the conversation and culture and uh, everything that's happening around Twitter today. So anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's my, my quick introduction at Twitter. No, I, I love Twitter. I've been in a big advocate of Twitter for, for many years. I used to do Twitter chats. And now when I talk to leaders and people who talk about social media, I, a big advocate in like if a C-level or an executive needs to be on any social media it needs to be on Twitter. <laughs> I I still believe it. I, I think it's essential. And it's also the social media platform where you literally could still send a message to anyone in the world. And you don't have to be connected. You don't have to be friends. You don't. <laughs> and, and they may or may not message you. But you have that, you know, it's open like that. Um, and, and I'm a big advocate. Of it. So uh, let, let's see what we could do in Canada. And uh, if there's anything I could do, obviously, uh, let me know. When I looked at your... The, your past, and you've held a number of roles, Paul, uh, different leaderships, uh, positions. I'm wondering if you could share with us um, some difficult decisions, um, I, ideally, that you had to make. Maybe you lost sleep, <laughs> but it eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader. Yeah. Um, you know, candidly, there's probably far too many to name, um, <laughs> but... I, I would say with anything, you know, over the course of my uh, career uh, and, and even now at Twitter, you know, there's a level of unknown, there's a level of ambiguity and, um, you know, there's, there's an element where a leader in today's world has so much coming at them. How do you actually make decisions around what is the most important thing to focus on right now? And how do you actually make those decisions in a, in a way that is efficient? And so, you know, someone, someone once told me that um, the most successful people in the world have a high tolerance for ambiguity. And so I, I would say for me, over my career, it's, it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's, um, I would say, uh, perpetually finding moments and, and opportunities to actually take some risks and put myself in a position where I actually feel really, really uncomfortable. And I, I almost seek that now in my career, looking for moments to actually try something new, try something that I've never done before. And, and candidly, I think when I've, when I've gotten to a place where I'm comfortable, it, that's a moment where I actually get a little scared <laughs> because I, I'm either not growing or not progressing. And so it's a little bit of a, um, almost by design, how do I, think about ways in which to actually put myself in scenarios where I'm, I'm, I'm getting exposed to new people, new challenges, new opportunities that are difficult and challenging that I, that I can wrap my, my arms around, you know, in terms of your question, difficult decisions, I, I think, um, I, you know, if, if I think about decisions and decision-making overall, um, you know, there's, there's a couple things, hindsight, 
you know, once, you know, looking back behind you at uh, a moment, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly easy to sort of see what, what you may have done differently or how you may have approached a scenario, um, you know, uh, with a, with a different style or approach. So I think hindsight is an interesting tool set to use in, in decisions. Oftentimes, I think when I was younger in my career, uh, you know, I had a lot of, if I'm being transparent, you know, there was a lot of pride, uh, a lot of ego, a lot of, you know, I, I was trying to prove something. I, I wanted everyone to know about it inside the business. I, I was um, a lot of self-promotion. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in hindsight, when I look at those days, those early days of my career, a lot of what that was, um, was, was really a focus on self. And so I, um, I think I've, I've dramatically changed my approach in leadership over the years. Um, foresight to me is an interesting sort of, um, ability as a leader to, you know, see the, see the, the big picture, you know, see what's happening down the road, be able to, you know, as Wayne Gretzky said, skate to where the puck's going, um, predict what the business rhythms will actually look like, you know, a year from now, two years from now, uh, and be able to make decisions today that will impact down the road. And I, I find that that is um, a, one part intuition <laughs> and then, you know, one part just um, listening and listening to people. And then I would say the other one, which I, I, I think I, I probably use, I try and use every day is, is so we've got hindsight looking behind, you, you've got foresight, the ability to, you know, um, look down the road and predict where things are going to go. And I would say a, a final uh, area might be insight, which is, um, I would say almost that, that sort of intuition, that, that ability to see what, what maybe others can't see, um, that, that sort of sense that either something might not be right. Um, and the ability to, you know, highlight it or at least begin to talk to others about it. And so it's, one could call it intuition, uh, but I think it's it's a little bit of, um, you know, just sensing when things are really good, sensing when things are not good and being able to course correct accordingly. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, you know, as any leader, you, you, you go through your career having to make difficult decisions uh, every single day and some are some have a higher gravity than others but any any decision involving people um, where you've got to either restructure a team uh, or or you know an individual is not delivering at the level that you need them to deliver at and you've got to make some tough decisions um, you know those are always the ones that I think um, you know keep you up at night that uh, that you know make you make you really think through um, the decision making process um, you know anything involving people I would say, whether it's um, an exit of an employee, the hiring of a new employee, um, the shift from from you know if you were to change a structure uh, in a position, you know you know we've we've recently changed the structure of Twitter in Canada, um, and you and you give it I would say significant consideration because these are not you know quick one time decisions; these are decisions that are going to have lasting impact. So I would say just to answer your question in a <laughs> roundabout way, any decision that involves humans that involves people that that can impact and affect their lives in a material way, be it positively or negatively. I think these are the ones where you just, you want to give um, a significant amount of um, additional consideration um, before you make them, I suppose. So it's, it's a little bit of measure twice, cut once type thing. <laughs> um, make sure you're making the right call when, when it involves people. No, for sure. I totally agree. Um, I wanted to talk about something you mentioned in your earlier career and because those who may be listening are 
are, are coming up. They're emerging business leaders. They understand the landscape that we, we sit in in terms of having the social media medium. And there is a lot of self-promotion going on, especially uh, to gain awareness of yourself uh, within an organization um, or outside. So what are your thoughts for when you're working with these new emerging leaders, whether it's in your current organization or before, when you, isn't self-promotion sort of good um, for those who are doing good work uh, because no one else is going to trumpet your, your, your horn? Yeah, to, let's talk about that. I think it's a really interesting topic and you do see it a lot, actually, a lot of maybe, chest pounding. Maybe too much, actually, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that the nuance for me is is hiring on character and being able to assess an individual's true character. And I, I think, you know, when you peel back the layers of, of sort of the self-promotion idea, there's, there's, there is something about a maverick leader, you know, someone who is extraordinary, someone who who comes into an organization and you can just sense that they're different. They've got a gravitas. They've got, uh, they walk into a room and, you know, people take notice. There is something about that. But I would say the balance there is that is that they 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 are risk takers, but at the same time they are they're teachable people. Meaning, you know, there is there is a they don't talk a big game. You know, they are confident, but they're humble. And to me, there's there's a beautiful balance of 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 driving confidence in who you are, but a but a, a pairing with lovely humility, where um, you're not trying to um, you know, promote yourself. You you are confident in the subject matter, and I think there is a beautiful balance there. When you when you come across someone who has those things uh, in in the right balance, I, to me, it, it's just a wonderful quality. And so, um, and and really, if you get down to you know like the core motivations behind individuals, if you can find what they're motivated by, um, if they are motivated by self, and I would say self promotion, to me, that's a watch out. That's a um, that's that's sending red flags up all the time to to really understand you know why are they doing what they're doing are they doing this to help others are they doing this because they truly care about the cause are they trying to really solve the problem or are they trying to uh, drive self promotion now you can be confident in the subject matter um, but I think there's where it bleeds into arrogance is where I start to have um, an allergic reaction and. You know, I would say in my early career, I, I don't know that I really truly learned that lesson. I, I would say I, uh, well, I would say I just didn't know. And maybe this was a lesson I learned throughout my career. But I, mm -hmm. I, I, I thought that I needed to oversteer. Uh, and maybe that was coming from a place of insecurity um, in me. But I, uh, you know, you, you, and maybe that's a bit of imposter syndrome when you're, when you're new in your mm -hmm. career. Um, I was at a business. I was at a, a tele teleco business, and uh, you know, I was the youngest VP um, in this business. And you know, I think I came into that role with a little bravado and chest pounding and arrogance, and uh, you know, something to prove to the world. And um, I would say, in hindsight, looking back on those moments, I, I was doing. I was probably oversteering on that, and I, I think that was. Um, really thinking of myself um, more than I should be thinking about others. And so I, I do think there's a fine line between arrogance and, uh, and confidence. And I think understanding people's motivations and digging at that through interview processes, through why they made some decisions, what they're trying to achieve, you know, you, you can kind of pick up sort of what they're really truly motivated on and motivated by. Um, and so that, that would be sort of my, 
my observations around the comment. No, I mean, and that's a great answer. And it's coming from having various roles and being within a leadership capacity for a number of years. And, and I'm sure it's a growth thing, right? And, and, and seeing this, seeing people grow on, um, as you manage them and mentor them as well. So a quick question, because you, you mentioned, you know, you work for a snowboarding magazine, a teleco organization. I mean, you change roles. And obviously, as you change these organizations, your teams and responsibilities change as well, Paul. So I'm wondering, uh, and it could be helpful for those who are listening who may be in transition now, is like, how did you, how did you adjust um, when you change the roles and continually grow as an effective leader uh, when you're entering these these new new companies? Yeah, I I would say the um, the the common thread I would say for me um, is doing something that you absolutely love, you know, um, just being obsessed with it, uh, obsessed to the point where you can't stop thinking about it. You know, every second of every day when you're lying asleep at night, you're, you're thinking about ways to improve. You're thinking about the opportunities, you know, that's, that's when, you know, you, you've kind of stumbled onto a, a career path that, that, that you're truly in love mm-hmm. with. And I think, um, it's, it's in many ways hard to find. Um, I've been, you know, my, my trajectory, uh, I, like I started, you know, in, you know, I work for a snowboard magazine, not, not because I thought I was going to get paid well. <laughs> I, I wasn't. It was a cool job. Because I, well, I, I, I loved it. I, I loved every second of it. And it was just, it was just a, a space that I was just obsessed with. And I, you know, I dreamed about it at night and I, I thought about it during the day and I couldn't wait to just, you know, be at that place. And I would say, you know, it's, it's funny just, you know, um, that was actually, um, by circ- by happenstance, you know, my first introduction to, to really media and the business of media and selling media and, and how that whole process works. But, um, I, I, I did it first and foremost because I knew I loved it. And I would say, you know, when you love something, which, which practically means, you know, you love the thing that you're working on, the subject matter, but you also love the people that you're working with. When you have that sort of love affair with, with what you're doing, it, it gets you through these moments of difficulty that you know you're going to have. And any leader who has been around for a while <laughs> goes through various seasons of leadership, you know, and, and you will have, you know, you will have winters and you will have summers. And I, I would say those moments of, uh, of difficulty that you go through as a leader, those challenging times when you've got either people issues or you've got, you know, leadership issues with, with the organization or, or, or trust issues or culture issues, all of those things are extremely taxing on a leader. And when you love what you do, you almost get energized and you have a new spring in your step when you, when you love what you do. So I, I guess the common and I would say every step through along the path has been, you know, just having, having this love affair with uh, the company, the brand, or the thing that I'm doing. Hey there, how's it going? Thank you for listening and supporting the show. This is, as mentioned, episode number 99. So the next episode is going to be a milestone episode, number 100. So I just wanted to thank you really grateful for this opportunity to not only speak with amazing people but to share it with you so if you are enjoying specifically this conversation or or any other episodes 
please join me on my private Facebook group where I discuss latest episodes, I'd answer your questions, and also connect you with other like-minded business leaders. So go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. I'm excited to see you there. Now let's get back to it. It's really fascinating in terms of um, not only that you found yourself in roles, um, probably by design, that you loved. Um, it was interesting. And, you know, it's in the forefront of a lot of technologies and different different vert- verticals in terms of media. So super, su- I mean, it's super fascinating, your career. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where you go as well. I mean, obviously, you're super focused in Twitter now. But just, uh, you know, the type of work I'm in, I see people just move and they make changes. And, and it's just so great to see. Um, so as, as as you speak to business leaders or as you have that hindsight now from what you've learned and looking forward, what do you think uh, are the biggest challenges facing emerging business leaders today, Paul? You know, I think there are there's just so much information and um, uh, activities coming at leaders today. Um, they're you know from their feeds to the, just the pace and cadence of information coming across their desk to the motivations of their people, um, the demands of the business and the economy. I mean, it's all consuming in many ways. And I think a leader's ability to to properly deal with everything that's coming at them, um, I think is a massive challenge, you know. So how how do leaders actually prioritize and focus on the most important things? And, you know, I think it's... um, it's, it's a very difficult skill. I, I've seen leaders in the past try and, you know, boil the ocean and try and do a bit of everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, they end up doing nothing well um, when they think things that way. It's, it, it often becomes a, you know, you, you become plate spinning and you've got a thousand things that are being done in a sort of mediocre way. Um, I, so I think one of the biggest challenges that our leaders are facing today is the ability to focus and do the most important things first um, in a sequence that that is going to drive and add value to the business. Um, this, the second thing I might say, if I can have one more yeah, answer to that question, sure. I, I, I think it's, um, and this is one that we screen for a lot when we interview people, it's um, resiliency and grit. And, you know, it's this, um, it's tough to quantify the idea of grit, but to me, it's this, it's this, unbelievable um, set of qualities from perseverance to motivation to patience to, you know, working your, working your way through a difficult situation and, and, and knowing that you're going to come out on top. Um, So this, this tenacity, this, this ability to just um, push through difficult circumstances to me, um, you know, I see a lot of leaders who, throw in the towel when things get tough and, or, you know, move to a different company or, or quit, Mm -hmm. or, you know, these types or get really demotivated. And I I think your ability to take a long-term view versus a short-term view, um, know that every cycle of business has an ups and downs, you know, that every sort of valley, there will be a mountain on the other side. And so your ability to press through those valleys to me as a leader, this idea of resiliency and grit is a, to me, that's a challenge that leaders are facing today that uh, 
that is that is holding a lot of leaders back as as far as i can tell no i, I mean and th- and that's a great answer in terms of uh you know resiliency plus grit i mean that that's great um so with that in mind do you have any resources that you would recommend to someone who's listening and they're they're looking to gain more insight on on becoming that that type of business leader who has resiliency or grit where do you point people to today i would say a couple um so for me personally i would say um i'll give you a couple professional examples and then and then a personal one yeah Um, so so on the on the professional side i i actually love reading biographies um you know partly because it, it it helps paint the picture of what great leaders do in all types of circumstances and so um you know there is there is this just set of biographies that I've, I've read recently that have just kept me unbelievably inspired. And one of them is, is called the Wright brothers um, by David McCullough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say um, that's one book where if you ever wanted to learn a lesson about overcoming adversity, uh, resiliency, you know, how to, how to create true innovation and solving a real problem. It's uh, it's an unbelievably potent and powerful book. Um, the other, the other one I would say that's that that is as a resource that I've I've just been sort of glued to, and I've I've read it a number of times now. It's called um, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, um, and this is this is essentially the the story of Pixar. And what what's amazing about the stories that they tell is that any Pixar film that you watch, it's a beautiful masterpiece at the end of the day. And and what what I think was encouraging for me as a leader that is that they never start out that way they always start out completely like a complete disaster and um, no one knows what the storyline is. Everyone's trying to find their way, but they work through a process of building this beautiful um, piece of art at the end of the day. And so, um, so those would be two, I would say professional resources that I would, I would point to that, that, um, uh, that, uh, that I would just say just inspire me and, and keep me hooked. Read biographies of other leaders <laughs> um, or just spend time with other leaders. Um, and, you know, you want to be a great leader, spend time with other leaders. <laughs> so um, on the personal side, I would say um, I go to a church here in the city. And I would say for me, um, that that has actually been an amazing sort of almost spiritual uh, and psychological and sort of, and professional, I would say, tool to just uh, not think about myself and not, not think about my own, my own motivations, my own drivers, but think deeply about uh, the needs of others. And so I would say um, what's, what that has done for me and how that's influenced my behavior over the years has been just this, this unbelievably recognition of what it means to be a servant leader, what it means to, um, to serve others. Uh, Twitter's mission is to serve the public conversation, uh, which is a very purposeful statement, this idea of service, this idea of um, putting others ahead of yourself to me is just a, a beautiful quality. And so again, not, not for everyone, but for me, I found that to be just an incredible resource that allows me to focus, that allows me to think about others before myself. And I think for me just became an incredibly valuable life tool, also a, a leadership tool as well. Well, that's great. I really appreciate uh, you sharing that, especially the personal point of view. As you talk about hanging out 
or being around other business leaders. Can you, Paul, name a person who had a tremendous impact on you as a business leader? It could, it could be someone who mentored you or someone you know or don't know. <laughs> um, who comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I think um, my my dad, I would say, was um, someone who uh, got me interested in business out of the gate. He, um, you know, he he ran his own business. He had an incredible work ethic, but at the same time, he was home every night at five p.m. to have dinner with us. And so, um, I think what I what I admired about his his style and his approach was. The way he was able, able to balance, you know, a startup business, a growing business, um, a successful business, but at the same time, he made a point of prioritizing family amidst all that. So that to me was something that I, I, um, I observed and I saw and, and it, it was, um, it stuck with me. I, I would say another, another person um, is his name uh, was Paul Robertson. He, um, he passed away a number of years ago. He was the, um, he was the president of, uh, of Shaw Media at the time. Um, and, you know, he, um, he was a leader that I just, um, I don't know, he, he was so accessible. He was so um, conversational. And you could tell every time you spoke to him that he, he, he sought the best in people. And that to me was, I think, something that I've tried to model in, in my leadership uh, over the last number of years. It's been uh, something that has stuck with me. Oh, that's that's great. Um, thanks for sharing. Fun question, Paul. If I were to ask any of your team members, it could be past or present, colleagues, peers, um, what's the best leadership quality that you possess? Um, what do you think they would say? Uh, that's a good question. I I um I would I don't know what they would say. My hope would be <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope they would say that I listen. Um, I listen well. I, I think you know everyone has a voice, and they can contribute to the success of a business. And so it it shouldn't be that um, you know my voice overpowers others. Um, it doesn't matter what your title is or your position is. I think you know being able to listen well, um, and like really listen. You know, and and sometimes that means listening for what's not being said. Um, a lot of times, you know, there there might be something hanging out in a room or a meeting that you know, people might be afraid to bring up and you can just tell by the body language or the way they're holding back on being sort of truly honest and transparent. And so I would say, oh, I would hope that people would say that I, I'm a good listener and I, uh, I care what people say and what they think. Um, that would be <laughs> um, one thing I hope they, I hope they, they would say. Um, so what else? Uh, what else is going on, Paul? Do you have any other special projects, initiatives or, or anything fun that, uh, that you're looking forward towards or super excited about? You know, I, I, I think at Twitter, you know, that everything changes every single day. And so it, it, it is not boring uh, being here. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about a couple things. I would say data um, is a massive opportunity for us. If, if you think about what's happening on Twitter, you can listen and hear and understand literally the pulse of what's happening in the world, the cultural pulse of the world. So if you are a brand or a business and you want to tap into that and you want to learn about what's going on in a particular segment or vertical or industry, or just understand how as a brand I can actually tap into culture, uh, there's just a, a significant amount of data um, that can be 
driving real business uh, decisions for for companies, not simply just marketing or social media activations, but actual business intelligence. So, so I get really excited about. Um, where we're seeing the platform evolve from a data perspective. In addition to that, you know, we're we're going to be launching in the spring a ton of content announcements and content partnerships. We just announced a number of uh, an, uh, you know partnerships at uh, CES recently with the NBA and PGA Tour. Uh, sports is a massive property uh, on Twitter. People love when, when a sports team is playing. The conversation is happening on Twitter. And so I just love when content starts to surface in ways that is unexpected, but but super potent and powerful on the platform. So uh, I get excited about that. And, and then, you know, I would say, I just see these stories happening every single day about one tweet from someone who you've never heard of before actually changing the world. And I, I you know, I, I think there's so many of these that are emerging and I, I get excited about our ability to begin to tell those stories in a more impactful, profound way over the next, you know, six to 12 months. So um, exposing some of these amazing, heartfelt stories of, of people who, you know, uh, really shouldn't have a voice or don't have a loud voice, but Twitter gives them a voice. Um, and that, that to me is, that just gets me really excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's super exciting. Um, I definitely use Twitter for 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 my news and, and finding events and following the Toronto Raptors, um, who are who are doing really well this year. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, Paul's having a blast. Um, but before we end, I'd like to get uh, some of your final thoughts, observations. Ideally, what we like to share on the podcast is some type of actionable recommendations that you could share to the emerging business leader who is listening today? So um, I, I would say in, in most of my careers, in most of my, uh, the roles that I've had at various companies, uh, I have been, you know, I've inherited a team or I've, um, you know, um, had a team that has been in existence in the past. And, you know, when you, when you do that and you become a leader inside an organization and you inherit a team, a lot of what uh, comes with that is uh, some preconceived notions of, you know, who those people are or, you know, are they top performers? And, and I would say, um, you know, any, any individual is going to have negatives. Any individual is going to have challenges. We have to believe in the power of people. And, and believe in the potential of people. And I think what, what I have to do every day as a leader and my, my one sort of action that I would leave with people is, you know, try and find the gold in your people. Um, and you have to look for it. Uh, you have to seek it out. You have to, you know, you have to be of the mindset that this person has unbelievable potential. And I'm, I'm as a leader trying to extract that from him um, or her. Y- you almost, in order to find gold, you have to be a bit of a gold digger. <laughs> and so, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of what I would say is, you know, there's a tendency in leadership to lean into, you know, the, you know, what people are not doing well. And I would say, just try and flip that and, and, and shift to a place where you see potential. Um, and you know, the grass grows where you water it. And, and when you see potential, just (laughs) try and invest in those people, try and put everything you've got into making them great and, and they will be great. Um, uh, it's, it's easy to focus on the negatives and what people aren't doing well. And I would just say a shift for me over the years has been to, focus a hundred percent on uh, where the potential and possibility lies with uh, within the team. That's really what 
my posture has tried to be every single day I come into work. That's great. I, I love that. I love that. Uh... Uh, that that final thought in terms of being a gold digger and, and finding the gold in your people. But to close, Paul, can you tell us where we can find more information about you? Um, Twitter, I guess, <laughs> and anyone else, uh, anything else you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter um, at Paul Burns and um, follow me, DM me, let's start a conversation about what's uh, what's going on in your world. Um, the more the more the merrier. And I I think. Nothing else to add other than this has been an awesome treat and uh, thanks for having me on the show, Edwin. I really appreciate it. Paul, it's an absolute pleasure and uh, thank you again for your time and and I look forward to, to sharing this amazing conversation. Thanks, Edwin. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode number 99 with Paul Burns. If you want to learn more about Paul, Twitter Canada or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 099. Join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.